that person that takes the time, let's say it takes 15 minutes to find out about the host and whatnot. But when the host sees that email, that's like a shining light. That's like the light of a million suns out of this whole pile of emails this person gets in a day. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here with the first episode of Music Growth Talks in 2020. We're kicking off the new season with my interview with David Wimble, the founder of the Indie Bible, the biggest and the most known and up-to-date directory of music creators in the world. Over 7,000 music blogs, magazines, radio stations, uh, over 3,000 Spotify playlist contacts, 2,000 400 booking agents and more spread over several products which you can find at indiebible.com. In this episode you will learn how to craft your outreach strategy, how exactly to pitch, even including David's example of an email you can send, uh, you'll hear it towards the end of these episodes and the cool behind the scenes look for anyone interested in how the directory came to be and how it is being updated. Today I also want to remind you, dear listeners, that this podcast is brought to you by the Dotted Music Marketing Agency. If you are building a team around your music project and want to see how we could be a part of it and how we could help it grow, uh, get in touch by filling out the form at agency.dottedmusic.com. We are working on the new website, by the way. Feel free to mention that you learned about it from the podcast. I may personally send you a perk just for that. And the time I put into creating this podcast is fully supported by my patrons. If you want to learn how to become one and uh, what kind of exclusive knowledge and insights um, uh, come with it, go to patreon.com forward slash Andrew Apanov. Thank you and here we go. David, welcome to Music Growth Talks. It's Really cool to have you on the show. Thanks. Very glad to be here. Do you mind uh, telling us a bit about the Indie Bible? I'm confident a lot, if not most of our listeners, are familiar with what you do. But I just want you to give a bit of a background behind this massive project. Uh, Sure. I've actually, we've actually been around now 21 years. It's uh, incredible that it's been that long. And what happened 21 years ago is... A little bit before that, as I recorded my own CD, and I had a, a dream of becoming a, you know, a famous musician, famous singer, like a lot of people. And what happened is, what happens a lot with bands is there was some disagreements, and the disagreements kind of reached a place where it was just you couldn't repair it. The group broke up after we re- recorded, and there was just no way it was going to get back together. And so I was kind of stuck there with this music. And kind of nothing, no way to drive it, no way to market it anymore. I could start up another band and try and do that, but there was no kind of guarantee that that was going to work out. And I thought, well, the whole time I've been kind of recording, I, I was still working full time. The internet was kind of this, this new thing that happened. It's, I know it's hard to believe 21 years ago the internet was new, but it basically was. And what I'd done is kind of been poking around at work, trying to find places to promote my CD. And one of the places that I locked into was there was a lot of college music stations that had websites. And of course, 21 years ago, they were extremely ugly and and hard to work with. But it was a way to get someone to listen to my music and and get the the word out about it. 
Another thing they had back in those days were kind of like the uh, the caveman version of the blogs, the, the predecessor to blogs. And that was all these different companies had free websites where you could, you could post anything. So there was like a Yahoo one. There was an AOL one. There was a company called Zoom, X-O-O-M. And there was a Homestead and some other ones. And they were tremendously hard to work with because back then there was still basically everyone was on dial-up. And what would happen is you'd open this website up and all these ads would pop up. And because it was dial-up or the early days of uh, high speed, it took a long time for these things to load. But what was happening is a lot of people started creating websites where they were reviewing music. And so I contacted a lot of these people and set it up so I'd send them my music. Now, when the band broke up, I had quite a collection of information. I had all these radio stations. I had some online uh, vendors that uh, CD Baby was around then, but there was a lot of other ones and I had these radio stations. And I was thinking, you know, as I was going through doing all this research, one thing that really frustrated me was there was no way to determine, is this still active? Like if I go to this uh, Homestead website and someone's reviewing metal or, or whatever music they're, they're reviewing, there was no way to tell is this person still doing it? Because it wasn't timestamped like today's blogs. You can go to the blog and you can see they posted something, you know, four hours ago or whatever. And the problem that what made it really difficult back then was they had these little apps that a lot of people would put at the bottom of their website. And what the app would say is updated and it would have the current date. So today is what, October 24th or 25th? It would say updated October 25th, 2019 just to throw people out, just to make people think, oh, this is really up to date, this website. But it could have been two years old. That's the problem. So I was thinking, well, I think there might be a need for all this information I've collected. And I kind of ran it by someone and they said, I think there is. And so I just dove in full bore and I just, uh, you know, all genres of music, anything that could possibly help a musician. So you want, you know, you want reviews, you want airplay, but also distribution, you want labels. And then general resources. And I kind of packaged it all together, worked feverishly for a few months, put it all together in this spiral bound photocopy directory. And I called it the Independent Musicians Contact Bible. And I, at that point, I passed it on to some people that these days you would call them influencers back then. But people like Derek Severs, another friend of mine, uh, Dale Schwartz, who was a, a writer of um, books about uh, how to start a label and how to succeed as a musician. And they loved it. And it just kind of took off from there. So just every year I kind of built on it. I kind of, you know, I have to make sure that I closely watch technology and see what's kind of trending and what's what direction the industry is going in. But uh, yeah, just since then, it's just been pure research and um, we try to, you know, improve it every year and it has had tremendous feedback. Awesome. Yeah, it's quite a story. And uh, do you have any screenshots of these early websites? You should share it i think somewhere <laughs> some of the artists out there right now may not even have an idea how music blog yeah. looked 20 years ago so how does your process look like with um keeping the indie bible book up to date maybe you can uh just give a general overview like how frequently you updated with new contacts and what's the current status of the project before we talk about the spotify indie bible of course okay uh well, uh, I think it was a, around 10 years ago, we had a, we started a, a database version of the Indie Bible. So the way it used to work with just the old, it used to be a physical book. Now it's just a digital book. But what happened, of course, with a physical book, once it's in there, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do for the, until the next year. 
with the, the digital book, it gave us some flexibility. So we'd go through the year and we wouldn't add any new information to it. But what we would do is if somebody contacted me and said, you know, Fred Jones no longer works at uh, KARK Radio, we would remove that and edit the listing. And then when we had the database, what that allowed us to do was to, I'm sorry, I'll just go back to the, the uh, ebook. The reason we can't add information into it is because it's totally formatted. So if you can't just kind of squeeze a listing in, because it's formatted, you've got ads in there and the whole bit. But once we had the database, that allowed us to add information whenever we wanted, plus do the edits. So anybody that buys, most people purchase our bundle package, which has the, um, the ebook and the online database. So the database is always has throughout the year has information added to it, edited. And then what we do at the end of the, the uh, publishing uh, cycle is we take all the new information we have and we create a new ebook. So all the, and all the listings are checked and then we publish a new, a new version. What we you know, try our very best with all of our directories is to get people to participate by taking the time to let us know that such and such a listing is no longer relevant or it's down or, or they're no longer accepting submissions. And to kind of help this along, we've, we've, for years now, we've had a, a monthly draw for a, a sure microphone. But it's very difficult. I mean, that's the most frustrating part of the whole process is that people are in a hurry. And I completely understand that. I mean, I don't, I don't contact people when I go to a website and I see there's a typo or something's not coming up. And it's just the nature of things. So uh, we really appreciate when people do get in touch with us and say, you know, uh, such and such closed down. But uh, it's very rare that people do that. So unfortunately, we have to do all the the uh, legwork ourselves, and just uh, every year you just roll up your sleeves and you go to every single listing and you check all the information, and that's just part of the the well, business. I mean, okay, so you go through every through the whole listing every year. That's that's impressive because I do know how much work it is. So that's really great for that you do that because of course you 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 unfortunately cannot rely only on on the reports from from your readers, but it's very important for the business, as you said, and for the musicians actually using it that you save their time by only keeping the the, the media contacts that's or venue contacts, so Spotify curators contacts that's relevant right now. So that's that's massive and very important work for the whole industry. Have you have you seen that we as uh, you have uh, a, a music blog for specializing in a particular genre, for example, been in the Bible for a very long time that over time because you because you have more and more readers and users, they receive so many submissions that the actual you know conversion rate or acceptance rate with them uh, drops down. We get actually from from the actual services. We kind of get to two extremes. We get some, some people contact you say, thank you so much. We're getting so many people coming to our, what whatever it is, playlist or radio station, whatever it is. But there's the other extreme. And it's, again, I'd say this is in the, in the top five, probably the top three of, of issues I have with the business in general is we're very careful to, first of all, we have everything sort of by genre, but we're also very careful to explain specifically what genres of music that different services welcome. And what happens is people do these like splatter send outs, you know, they, they don't pay attention to what the people actually want. And so we get a lot of, not, not a lot, but we get feedback from different radio stations like, 
you know, like take us out. We're just getting so much stuff that's not relevant from your readers or a blog or whatever. Right. And it's very frustrating when that happens. We have throughout the Indie Bible, we have all sorts of tips and we emphasize as strongly as we can with, with articles as well. Please take the time to first find out, find out the name of the person you're contacting. You know, like you, you must know this, that you get these, these emails that someone took two seconds to put together and, and send off to you. And they're asking for your time, right? And uh, they, they, but they're not taking any time on their end to find out who you are, what it is you do, and what kind of music you work with. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many phone calls I just get from people saying, what do you do? Well, and I ex- try to explain to them, I, you know, I don't explain to them like, uh, like in a snip, but I say to them, well, that's the reason we have a website. You know, that's, we have a website, so you can go there, find out what we do, read all the information. We've taken a lot of time. We've put a lot of information up on our website. Then after that, if you have a question, call us up and ask us. We were happy to talk to you. But just to say to what, what you're saying essentially is, I'm not going to take the time to read your website or find out what you do. I want you to take your time, time out of your day and tell me what you do. And I find that highly frustrating. So the th- that kind of spills over with people contacting the different services we have. And of course, there's no way to stop it. I mean, that's just part of the, that's the way the, the business is, is that people are in a hurry. They're hyped up. And uh, they're kind of thinking mathematically, if I contact X number of people, I'll get, you know, Y number of replies. So uh, I'm not too concerned about the details. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's not working like that at all. And uh, we spend a lot of time on explaining how exactly to pitch to our artists. We don't provide uh, publicity services, but when we recommend an artist to reach out to a few Spotify playlists or blogs, we will give them very specific recommendations. It's always about the quality, so how exactly you personalize each pitch. And you make the work easier still, because I'm looking at the in the Spotify Bible, oftentimes you will have the first name, some description, some context that that can easily be used in the pitch. Just go to the Twitter profile, find what the curator tweeted about in the past few days and maybe, you know, mention it somehow in the pitch. It's really all there already. You've done <laughs> most of the work with researching these this context that can be used for pitching. So even if someone is lazy to listen to the playlist, they can just use information from the PDF to personalize it. But anyway, I know that unfortunately we still need to do lots of educational work for musicians yes. to, to improve that. But how did the, uh, the Indie Spotify Bible come together and how it's been Well, I, I kind of could see the direction the industry was going in. I had people say, you know, do you have Spotify playlists listed in your directory? And I went out, kind of went out on a little research binge a few times to see what was going on with Spotify playlists and, and the different curators. But the issue is with playlisters, the curators, it's not like a blogger or a person has a label or a person has a podcast that they have a website and then they have a few details and then they, they have archives of their of their show or whatever it is they're doing. Most of these playlisters, they're just a regular Joe or Jane that, you know, maybe they work full time or, or whatever. And they're kind of doing it as a hobby. So they don't have like a, an actual website set up where they say, here's my website for my playlist. That's very rare. What they usually have is nothing. Like you go to the playlist and and uh, they'll have some, you know, Conehead 42 or something as their name. 
And that's all you know about them. Maybe a picture of them, or maybe it's a picture of, you know, Bart Simpson. You don't know. So with the Spotify playlists, I think the reason it's doing so well is because people have an understanding of how hard it is to find information for these people. Yeah. We're, we're talking about deep, deep research to find some of these. Like sometimes you'll find the most amazing playlist and there's just nothing to go on yeah. except one tiny thread of a clue. And you can spend half an hour, 45 minutes trying to track this person down by going through social media and Google images and all sorts of things. And then you finally start to get some little shred of maybe a LinkedIn account or something, but at least it's something for this person. So I think that's why it's doing well is because the infra, it's a totally different world that uh, it's like these people don't want to be found and, my, and I go out and find them anyway sort of thing. Do you ask the curators who, whose contact information you find for, for permission to include them in the, in the directory? No, what I do is when we're researching, we kind of intuit by going to the different playlists and seeing, okay, are they open to independent music? A lot of times they'll say they are. A lot of times there's just, it's very vague. So we kind of say, okay, it looks like they are. Now, if they're not, someone will get back to us and let us know and then we can just remove it. But that really hasn't happened yet. You know, like um, I'm actually quite surprised. Another thing I ask people to get us, you know, it's very sp specific that it's kind of a scary area because there's a lot of people out there that are in it for the money. So it might look like a, a terrific playlist. Say, well, great, I'm going to contact this person. But then you find out that there's some behind the scenes, there's some, there's some fees to get on this playlist. <clears throat> and they have to be very careful because Spotify won't allow that. If that's in their regulations, you can't, you can't do any kind of a payola, payola thing or pay for play. But people have creative ways of getting around that. So I you know, ask people, please let us know if there's any underlying fees. Not that we're going to remove the listing. I mean, if you want to pay $45 or $200, whatever it is to get on a playlist, That's your prerogative. But I want to make sure that in the listing we have, it shows that that's how you get on this list. But actually, no one's got back to us yet. So I'm really surprised about that. Interesting. Yeah. It was my next question, actually, about Biola and how you track that and if you have any details on that. But you just answered that. And it's really interesting that you haven't heard uh, from, uh, from the readers, from the customers from musicians using the directory. Yeah, so let's see how, how it goes. I'm really curious because it's happening all the time still and there are very creative ways to accept money for submissions. And yeah, let's see how, how that develops. So you mentioned that it's really difficult to track down a curator. I know myself, we here have tried that in the past and just gave up. It's like, it's too much, too much hassle. And the fact that you have 3,000 playlists With contact information for most of them is just insane to me. But I'm curious about the type of a curator compared to uh, who you are more used to working with, like music bloggers, independent reviews, and so on. It's a similar kind, of course, just hobbyists doing something related to music for fun. But have you found that, I don't know, that Spotify curators are more pragmatic in how they want to accept the submissions or they don't receive the same volume of submissions usually in there or any kind of insights to the anything that can be used to 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 customize that pitch to a curator for someone who's used to uh, pitching music blocks for example 
Well, what I did this time is, because it's such a mysterious area for most people, is as I was going through, I I collected all the uh, emails for the curators that had available email information. And what I did is I contacted them and I said, I'm creating this new directory, trying to educate people. Do you have any tips for people that could just help them kind of understand the process, understand how you want to be contacted, et cetera? So from that feedback, I had had amazing feedback, wonderful people. Like, of course, the passionate ones are the people that are going to get back to you. It's still a small percentage out of what I sent out and what I received. I actually got no response from anyone that's at an actual Spotify, works for Spotify, which I found kind of frustrating. Yeah. But a lot of curators with the whole spectrum. So what you're talking about, there was passion, but there was a lot of stuff that was more mechanical versus uh, emotional. And it just kind of tells me, you know, everybody's different. And everybody kind of like that. They have one thing in common. They have a love of music. They have a love of getting music out there. But their kind of perspective's a little bit different. But there was some really key items like over and over again that were kind of common between, you know, the more analytical types and the emotional types is take the time to find out who I am, which is just a human thing, right? doesn't matter what you're doing. And secondly is is... Tell me, give me a give me a story about your music. Make me want to put you on my playlist. So, you know, we've laid out this blueprint uh, throughout the Spotify directory. We have, uh, I would say, probably 150 tips from curators and uh, a few snippets from articles throughout the directory. And they're telling you these are the people you're trying to get in touch with. They're telling you how to get in touch with them. You know, don't send me, don't include me in an e-blast. You know, find out my name, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, how to submit their music. So that part. I think for us is groundbreaking because now somebody can buy it that's a total novice and we're kind of, you know, we have all these tips that the kind of like the curator is holding their hand and saying, you know, don't worry, just follow this advice and you'll be, you'll do fine. That's incredible. It's, it's really cool that you've done the work and that the, you actually received uh, recommendations and uh, it's, it's great news for everyone. I think that the curators want to hear from artists. It's not like many musicians will not get reply to their, you know, outreach, maybe the first time they're trying and they may assume that these are just, you know, cold-blooded, you know, people not interested in whatever is sent to them. But if you uh, come up with the right sound, the right song to the right playlist, uh, they will be interested in considering to add you based on what I'm hearing so far at the release. And by the way, speaking of the education, you've got the Independent Artist Guide to Spotify as an addition to the Bible, which is quite great. Any, yeah, any, any words on that? Well, for all of our directories, we have a, a, an accompanying guide with all sorts of uh, articles that are helpful for people. And yeah, the Spotify directory is no different. So we'll cover everything, like some really technical stuff that you know some people might just bounce off their head. But just a, a practical, simple things too. How to set up different parts of Spotify. We try to cover the whole area, like anything that somebody, just, especially somebody starting out, would want to know. And it kind of, again, it kind of just takes them by the hand and say, okay, like just, just take this slowly, and we'll, and everything's going to be okay. So it's always, I mean, you can't go wrong with with guides like this for just kind of considering the the novice, the person that's just kind of recorded their music and they're looking at the. Uh, the whole universe of music, and it's just so overwhelming, you know, just it's going like 8,000 miles an hour, and it's just uh, helping them to slow down, you know, just take it one step at a time, and we'll get you through this. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. And some really good articles in there. Anything in particular that you could still highlight here? We want to tease our listeners in a way, but maybe there is uh, a couple recommendations that uh, stand out, something that you see a lot of artists are missing out when just, uh, you know, promoting their music on streaming platforms, Spotify in particular overall. So anything that stood out to you maybe? No, I think I would just go back to slowing down and making it personal. I mean, that's you have to put yourself in the position of someone, whether it's a a playlist curator or a radio show host or a, a label, a blogger, that they're getting, let's just pick a number, let's say 200 applicants a day, like 200 submissions a day. So if they keep they keep getting these submissions, hey, yo, and you know, listen to this, and my name's Mary, and here's my link. Totally impersonal stuff. So if you take the time just to say, you know, hello, Fabian, I really enjoy your playlist. I mean, it's just fantastic, especially like, you know, such and such a song. And uh, thanks for doing this. I'm a musician, and I've just recorded a CD or recorded some songs. I really think my music would be a good fit. If you could just take the time to listen to one of my songs, I would really appreciate it. And maybe you could get on your playlist, you know, something that's a little bit clumpy, but you know what I'm saying. So that person would think, well, if I'm taking all this time to do this, find out about who I'm contacting, how many people can I contact in a day? You know, not too many versus a person just as a e-blast, you know, writes, takes the time to write their, their kind of uh, template and then send it out to whatever their mailing list is. But that person that takes the time, let's say it takes 15 minutes to find all the information, let's do a f- few songs and find out about the host and whatnot. But when the host sees that email, that's like a shining light. That's like the light of a million suns out of this whole pile of emails this person gets in a day. Because they're a human being, right? They feel good inside. It makes their heart swell. Like, oh my goodness, this person took the time to find out what I'm doing and make me actually feel like a somebody. So that's been my whole thing. The whole time I've been doing this for 20 years now is, you know, take the time. These are human beings you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, this is great. You actually just gave a really cool template for for the base, kind of the, the foundation of an email. Uh, of course, it needs to be worked on, but it's, it's really yeah. cool. And I agree with everything you said 100%. Just one tactical question to you. Do you recommend uh, doing a fo- follow-ups? And has you, have you had a particular strategy for following up with whoever you reach out to? Again, that's the importance of finding out about the, the person you're contacting and their submission info, submission details. Because some people will say, do not follow up. If your music's going on my playlist or on my blog, it'll go in. Don't bother me. Others will say, if you don't hear back in two weeks, please remind us. So again, it's there's nothing specific. It's just like uh, the age-old dilemma of people sending in MP3s to blogs or versus streams or, or links or whatever, is some people say, do send an attachment. Some people say, don't send an attachment. I'll freak out. I'll delete it right away. So you don't know. So you always have to take that extra time, find out how does this person want me to get in touch with them? And you can't go wrong by doing that. It's time consuming, but it's well worth the effort. Golden advice here. I really appreciate what you shared with us here. I, I hope it's it's actionable and it may seem simpler to some artists who are new to the process 
But it is very complicated in terms of you doing this unscalable thing of actually spending the time and caring about the people you reach out to and slowing down, as you just said. So these may seem simple, but practically it means quite some work, but some quality work that will bring the results. And the way you just described it is great. So if I understand correctly, IndieBible.com is the website where anyone can find all your directories and uh, the bundle to get everything with a discount. Any other um, uh, platforms or links uh, our listeners should be aware of? No, uh, IndieBible.com, we've got a link to all our different directories there and that's, that's all they need to know. So, of course, linking to everything in the show notes once again. And yeah, really looking forward to to the new additions, to the updates, to the directories and uh, whatever else you uh, come up with. It really is incredible for like how long you've been doing this. So thank you a lot, David, and uh, keep up great work. Well, thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thanks to David and thank you all for listening. As usual, please go to dotamusic.com to find show notes uh, for this very episode. This has been MGD142 and uh, uh, if you haven't subscribed to Music Growth Talks yet, please go to musicgrowthtalks.com. This is our website where you can find links to um, the show at uh, the various um, podcast platforms like uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and so on. And uh, please please subscribe there. Uh, it means a lot and uh, you will not miss a new episode this way. And uh, I also encourage everyone to sign up via email right there as well to uh, get a sweet, nice email from me every time I um, uh, release a new episode. Sometimes I send special talks uh, only via the newsletter. Thank you so much you all for listening and till next time you've been listening to music growth talks with andrew apanov find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com